Hello, beautiful people. My name is Felicia Goings, and I want to welcome you back to WordCast. So if you're watching from a visual medium right now, it's so good to see you. If you're tuned in from an audio platform, it is so good to speak to you today. This episode is super special. And before I jump into it, I just want to welcome the people who might be new to WordCast. So WordCast is a podcast where I do Bible study teachings to help you make what's true in the word true in your life to help those things that God has promised you and destined you to walk in in your life, not just success in one area, but success in every single area of your life, emotionally, relationally. Um, imagine waking up every day in total peace. Imagine going to bed every night in total peace. Imagine living a life of your dreams. Imagine the things that your heart uh, desires, the burning desires of your heart that are pure and good and perfect for you. Imagine those things unfolding and coming to pass as God holds your hand and you hold to his word and you journey through life with God. Imagine those things for yourself. That's what this particular podcast is about. Those of you who want to have a better relationship with God, those of you who want to learn how to hear God more clearly, uh, you want direction from the Holy Spirit, you have questions about the Bible, whatever it is pertaining to this word um, and, and our almighty, all-powerful creator, this is a space for you to get answers and for you to get things that actually will produce results and fruit in your life. So let's jump right in. Our word focus for this particular episode is Bible. So the Bible, which also is synonymously called the word of God, which I have one right here. In the last episode, I was talking about the most valuable currency. And I asked the question, what's the most valuable currency in the world today? Is it the US dollar? Is it the Euro? Is it the peso? And the answer was actually it's your attention. People are paying millions and billions of dollars to get and keep your attention. And in one of the last episodes in that particular series, I was saying that one of the most powerful and valuable things that you could put your attention on is the word of God. But I know one of the reasons why a lot of people don't is because they have a hard time understanding it. I used to have challenges understanding the word as well. And I had a lot of questions. Some of the stuff in it, I was like, "Ooh, I don't know about that one, Jesus. So I know the reason why a lot of people don't study the word more and they don't spend time in it and they haven't even discovered how to use this Bible as a tool for life or even some of the most major benefits of it is because they don't fully understand it or know how to study it. I remember one time I was talking to a friend and they were going through something and I was like, hey, let me tell you what this means scripturally. Like you're a person, you believe in God. Let me show you in the word what you might want to consider applying to your life because this will work for you. And I was like, hey, turn to Romans 8 and 28. And this person said, what is that? I was like, Romans, that's a book in the Bible, chapter 8, verse number 28. They had never studied the Bible. 
they were growing in their understanding of God. Something was reaching out to their heart. They could feel it in the spirit. They were having these experiences, but they didn't grow up in a household or wasn't raised or taught about the actual Bible. So when I said Romans 8, 28, that sounded like a foreign language to them. Now you've been raised around the word. You know that eight and 28, you know, eight is the chapter. 28 is the verse. Not everybody comes from that. And that is totally okay. That's why it's so important that we be in relationship with one another and that we sharpen one another. There's some things that you know that I don't know that you could teach me. There's some things that I know that you don't know that I could teach you. And so as you tune into WordCast, if you tune in and you really open your heart and listen to what I'm saying and you apply the things that the Lord is giving me to share, I am telling you. Your relationship with God is going to be so strong and so solid. Nothing's going to be able to just come into your life and wreak havoc or steal your peace or like blindside you with certain stuff. There's a way in which we walk with God that before the enemy even tries to move against you in a particular way, God is already telling you in advance, hey, this is what's coming up next. You need to adjust here or you need to change this situation. So let's dive in our word focus is bible uh if you have your bible get your bible out follow along with me if you don't you can literally just listen there is a way that you can understand and study the bible that enhances every single area of your life and i am not kidding so i want to walk through how do you do that also i am in la right now so if you hear like the cars and streets and all that stuff uh, behind me I am in LA so excuse any any noise okay, really quickly before we dive in here let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 6 verse number 18 I want us to look at one part of this particular scripture Hebrews chapter 6 verse number 18 and it says um, that it is impossible for God to lie Depending on the version of the, the Bible that you're reading, yours may say it it was impossible for God to lie or it is impossible for God to lie. It didn't say that God doesn't lie. It says it is impossible. He cannot lie. God is so true. God is so pure. God is so holy. Whatever he speaks, whatever is written, it is the truth. So the Bible being the word of God, it is a copy of the truth. It's a copy of truth that doesn't change. It's a copy of truth that won't lie to you. It's a copy of truth that will literally change and enhance any area of your life where you're willing to apply it. Now, let's also look at Numbers chapter 23, verse number 19. I marked that in, in the scripture as well, just before we get started here, so we can set the precedence for what we're diving into. This one says, God is not a man that he should lie. People, humans, mankind, we have the ability to lie if we choose to lie. God, he cannot, it is impossible for God to lie. God is such a pure spirit, a pure being, so highly intelligent, so far beyond what the human mind can comprehend on its own. God cannot lie to you. So whatever God has said to you about your life, it is true no matter what it looks like today. Whatever this word says about you, it is true no matter what it looks like today. Now let's look at the latter part of the scripture in verse number uh, 19. So the first part says, God is not a man 
that he should lie. And then we're going to skip down to the last part. Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? When you look at other translations, it'll say if he said it, he'll make it come to pass. Basically, it's a word reassuring you where it's like if you get a word in prayer, if you read a scripture that is a promise over your life, if you're a believer in God or a follower of the Lord, you can take that thing to the bank. God is not lying to you. But see, we got to get skilled in the word to understand how is it that this good thing is true about me and my life in the word, true about me and my life in God and how he sees me. But it's not true in my actual life. We've got to get skilled with how to take what's true in the Bible and make it true in our life. If this Bible says by his stripes, you were healed. Why are we suffering with sickness and disease and accepting it? If, he, if this Bible says I have taken sickness and disease away from you, these are actual scriptures in the Bible. God cannot lie. That means he actually took it. Why do so many people who believe in God still have a sickness and a disease today? Don't tell me that that's just a part of life when this Bible telling me I don't have to be sick. I don't have to have a disease. So I look forward to the point where I'm able to do these WordCast series on healings because some of y'all going to get healed watching over the Internet. Some of y'all are going to get healed listening to the audio because you're going to hear the truth that sets you free from whatever sickness, disease or pain that's in your body. I have seen it work. If my friend Charday is tuned into this, you remember when we were at Chipotle and you watched how the Holy Spirit I, told me to have a conversation with somebody and his eyes got healed in Chipotle. This guy could not see without his glasses. He didn't even realize he got healed until he went back to the register. He worked at Chipotle. Okay, I'm getting off track. I, I'm, this is not about healing. This is about studying the Bible. I just wanted to share that with you to say that the Bible that we are referencing and talking about in this episode, it is a copy of the truth. We are living in a society where people value believers. A, a, a lot of them value the spoken word of God over the written word. Like there are people who would rather have a prophecy than sit down and study the Bible. I understand that the, the prophecies, the, the person that's giving it to you, if they have a strong relationship with the Lord, your trust is high in that individual and in the words that they're speaking. Or if you have experience where a particular person prays for you and what they pray always comes to pass. I can understand your trust is high in that particular area. So some people value the spoken word over the actual written word of God. They want a prophecy to believe in, not an actual scripture to stand on. I'm telling you, it's so hard to mature spiritually without the written word. I don't know any person who is spiritually mature that did not go through the process of the actual written word. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not always a conscious thing where a person is like, oh, no, I'm going to throw the Bible away. I just want somebody to give me a word or God, I want you to speak to me audibly. No, it's not conscious, but it's carnal. It's carnal where the individual is deeply devoted to feeling something instead of believing something. See, that's what those words do. When you get a, a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, a dream, all these different things outside of having some time in the actual Bible, a lot of times they cause you to feel something. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is what our life 
in our relationship with God and this next dimension of our success in the Lord and in our everyday life, that is to be rooted and founded upon what we believe. This is what we are to believe in the truth. But how can we believe in something we don't fully understand what it says? How do you know that you're not actually compromising in an area of your life simply because you don't have the truth and you don't see the correlation between the compromise that you're in and this thing that keeps happening physically to you? Or the compromise that you're in and this thing that keeps happening in your family or in your relationships. You may not even see the correlation because you're not spending enough time in the truth for God to draw that line from one dot to the next and say, hey, if you'll tweak this over here, this will stop. Right. We can hear God without having our face buried in the scripture. Right? But spending time in the scripture it's like tune in a radio. You you tune like you you may hear him on a particular frequency, but maybe not super super often. When you start studying the Bible, you can be in the loudest place in the world. You can be walking through an airport, walking through a busy train station, and Holy Spirit can bring something up in you. It doesn't matter what this audible world around you is doing or saying. When you have strengthened your muscle of hearing through the written word, you will hear even when it's inconvenient. Even when you don't even you're not even thinking about a word from God, it'll drop on you to be in your spirit and you'll be cognizant of it. Why? Because you've been tuning your station to always hear it. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting a prophetic word, but you cannot build your life or your whole relationship with God on constantly getting a word from somebody else or something else outside of the Bible. If you do. There are going to be cracks in your foundation. You may not even realize something as a crack. You may not even realize how stuff is just gaining access to you or your life or your body or your mind. You may not even realize that it's going back to what you've built your life and your relationship on. When I say cracks in your foundation, let me clarify what that means. Cracks meaning a lot of the promises that are true in the Bible, they won't all be true in your life. You may be successful in one area, but how's your emotional life? How's your relational life? How's your mind? How's your physical body? How's your temple? There are certain areas that you won't even access power for that area if you don't get in this word. We need the Bible. We need the word of God to have the best relationship with God. And so now what I want to do is I want to show you how do I spend time in the word? How do I actually understand the Bible in a way that enhances every single area of my life and causes me to have a better relationship with God? I am going to share three things with you. Now, uh, let me let me say this first. Let me pick up with my notes. This is a very important one. If you try to read the Bible like you read any other book, you're not going to be very successful with it because the Bible was not written to your head. The Bible was written to your heart. Let me say that again. If you try to read the Bible like you read any other book, you are not going to be very successful at it because the Bible was not written to your head. The Bible was written to your heart. The smartest people in the world intellectually are not always the smartest people biblically. Now, there are people who are highly intelligent and who are highly biblical. 
The point I'm trying to make is your intellect is useful for studying the Bible and renewing your mind, but it is vitally important to approach studying the word with an open heart because it was written to your heart. There's a scripture that talks about how man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Now, if you've been tuning into WordCast long enough, you'll know that that one of the things I believe in, if somebody is going to share something with you about God or the, the spirit of God or things concerning God, we need to be able to back that up with the word before we accept it. So let me find the address for that scripture. Sometimes I'll remember what the scriptures say, but I won't know the address. And let me just look up. Uh, God looks at the heart and see what address that is. Okay, it's 1 Samuel 16 and 7. Let's flip over there. 1 Samuel 16 and 7. And then I'm going to jump into how to actually do what I'm saying. Uh, where you can learn to study the Bible in a way that enhances every area of your life. Verse number seven. It says that the Lord does, does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance. Humans, people look on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. So his word was written to your heart. It can be used to transform, train and renew your mind. It's supposed to be used for that. But don't forget to remember that it was also written to your heart. So if you try to approach this from an intellectual standpoint solely, you are not going to understand logically how God split the Red Sea. You are not going to understand logically how Christ was raised from the dead. It will be illogical to you if you over intellectualize what you are reading and studying in the word and you don't remember that this is spiritual. This is not just mental. So what I'm going to do for those of you who are brand new to studying the word or you just want to um, enhance or get better at it, I'm going to share three basics. And then I may end up doing another episode if I don't have enough time in this episode where I'll do a deep dive for those of you who've been studying the word for a while. I'll do a deep dive and give some more advanced uh, tips and understanding on how to enhance what you're already doing in the word of God. So the basics, three basics. Number one, how do I understand the Bible and study it in a way that actually enhances every area of my life? Three things that you can do. Not saying that these are the only three things, but these are very three powerful things. Now, fireworks may not go off when I say some of these. But see, we've got to mature to the point where it don't have to sound fireworkish for it to work, that it don't have to sound like one of the cute quotes for it to be effective. We need sometimes just simple, straight to the point understanding. So I really want you to pay attention to this. Point number one, how do I study the Bible and understand it better? Number one, read the scripture way slower than you think you need to out loud. So when you're studying the word of God, let's take, uh, for example, um, first John chapter two, verse number 10. This is typically how some people read the word. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in it or in him, there's no occasion for stumbling or cause for error or sin. A lot of times if I'm at a Bible study or I'm speaking somewhere or uh, doing a prayer line and I ask somebody to read the scripture, they'll read it just at a regular pace. 
what I started doing was telling people, hey, when you read this scripture for me, read it way slower than you think you need to. Why? This is a technique that the Holy Spirit showed me. Your understanding literally will sink down into the pockets of the scriptures as you're reading it and leaving those little breaths of silence there for God to be speaking to you instead of you talking while you're actually speaking the scripture out loud it will be speaking back to you now watch this watch when I read this same scripture so much slower than I actually need to whoever loves his brother abides lives in the light and in it or in him, there is no occasion for stumbling or cause for error or sin. The scripture is saying, when you walk in love, you remove stumbling, errors, and sin. It is impossible to sin when you walk in love. So in order to sin, we've got to get out of love with ourselves, out of love with another person, or walk out of love with God. So I was like, how did you get all that out of the scripture? I've been studying the word for a while to where the language of the Holy Spirit, he'll lift that verse up off the page for me and I read it and he'll say, this is what this means. It's not changing the understanding of it or anything. He's giving me the full scope of what that scripture means. Now, I studied this passage out before. The rest of the passage will cultivate that meaning in you as well. Verse number 11 says, he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. He is straying and does not perceive or know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So if you are hating people, if you're walking out of love with a particular person, you're walking in an area of darkness in life. The scripture says that when I go back and read verse number 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in it or in him, there is no occasion for stumbling or cause for error or sin. This is telling me if I want to keep myself from stumbling or erroring in sin, I need to walk in love at, with all people at all times. Because in order for me to stumble or error into sin, I've got to walk out of love with somebody, myself, the other person, or God. Reading the scripture slower than you think you need to, it is going to increase the quality of your time in the word, not just the quantity. A lot of people get hung up on the quantity. And so you're spending time in the word. You're just reading through scriptures really, really fast, focused on how long you're spending in the word. But I want to encourage those of you who want to increase your Bible study time. Focus on spending quality time, even if it's a shorter amount of time, reading those scriptures slower and out loud, slower than you think you need to. And out loud, it is going to help improve the quality of your time in the word. And automatically the quantity will start expanding. Why? Because the more you understand something. The more it starts to feed you and you see it working as you study it piece by piece, step by step, it's going to start drawing you more and more and you'll start desiring it. Let's move on to point number two. So point number one, um, three basic things for how to study the word and understand the Bible better. Number one, read the scripture way slower than you think you need to out loud. Number two, ask who the scripture is talking to Whoo! let me tell you god gave me a revelation man okay 
Y'all, this is super important. This particular revelation right here, listen to this revelation. There are scriptures where God is speaking and there are scriptures where God is listening. If you don't know the difference between the two, you will take a person talking. This is what the Holy Spirit was teaching me. You will take a person talking as a command from God when God was actually listening while that person was speaking their heart. And the reason why this came up for me was because I don't know if you guys are familiar with the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes has some stuff in it that I'm like, I don't want to feel like that. <laughs> what like life is just a vapor it's nothing and other parts of the bible say god gives us things to enjoy so which one is it and i was getting confused and i'm being prayerful and i'm like lord i know you put ecclesiastes in in the bible for a reason and that's when the holy spirit started telling me there are scriptures in the bible where god is talking and there are scriptures in the bible where god is listening and when you are able to read something where you're hearing what God is listening to. He's revealing that person's heart to you. He's showing you something about yourself through that individual, or he's warning you against something through that individual. So it is important to ask, who is the scripture talking to? I told you that sometimes God is talking and sometimes a God is listening in the scripture. So number one, read the scriptures way slower than you think you need to out loud. Number two, ask who is the scripture talking to? Because there are scriptures where God is speaking and there are scriptures where God is listening. When God is speaking, what type of person is God talking to? I'm going to go over the five types of people like I've done before on WordCast because it's imperative for us to understand. When we understand these five types of people, it makes communication in our personal life more effective with these individuals because we can speak to all five types of these people from a place of love even if they don't believe look like sound like uh, or seem like us we don't even have to have anything in common except for being human and we can still communicate from a position of love number three the third point with how do i study the bible and understand it better Approach the Bible with a humble heart instead of being a know-it-all in your head. Now, remember, if you try to read the Bible like you do any other book, you're not going to be very successful at it because the Bible was not written to your head. The Bible was written to your heart. But if you approach the Bible with a humble heart and allow it to expose the wrong beliefs that you may have about something or the wrong beliefs that I may have about something. When we approach with a humble heart, instead of saying, I like this part, but I don't like what that part of the Bible says, that's not being humble. If we have belief systems that don't align with God, they don't align with his word, the word of God is going to expose and reveal those things in us as we spend time in it. So if there's a particular thing in society or dilemma in your life and you have a particular way of believing and thinking about that, eventually you're going to come across what scripture says about it. You can even ask the Lord, Lord, guide me on what your word says about this or what your word says about that. When you read what the Bible says, if it is different than what you believe or what you think, the Bible is the truth. That's how I live my life. It's so simple. The Bible is true. 
I'm not going to approach this situation with just my mind and say, oh, well, I don't like what that says. That's not how I believe. So instead of me changing my mind, I want to change the word or no, that's not how it works. The Bible is a copy of the truth. The truth does not change. This truth does not change. It has remained for thousands and thousands of years. And if the Bible says something is true, it's true. If the Bible says something is not true, it's not true. You believing opposite of the word puts you in the wrong. It doesn't make what you believe right. Not believing the Bible doesn't make it untrue. It just makes it untrue in your life. So if you say, oh, I don't believe that the spirit of God is healing today. Oh, I don't believe that God is concerned with people's money and all that kind of stuff. Well, when the Bible talks about healing, when the Bible talks about uh, being financially well off uh, to where you can leave an inheritance, even to your children's children, that's true in the word. It's true for a lot of people. It just won't be true for you. Why? Because you don't believe it. Right. So that's the point that I'm making. This Bible is faith activated in our life. It is true. But for it to be true in our life, we've got to come to the point of believing it. Even when it challenges, and sorry, there's a siren, a fire truck going by. Um, I'll wait for that to end. So it's important to approach studying the word of God with a humble heart and willing to allow the word to change our belief systems if we discover that they are wrong. All right, I want to go deeper, but I think what I'm going to do is stop here for today for the sake of time, because I do want to get our decrees in for today. But before I do that, uh, let's go back through a quick review and I want to share those five types of people with you. So number one, how can I study the Bible and understand it better? Number one, read the scriptures way slower than you think you need to out loud. The same, even for those of you guys who are like advanced Bible studiers, the same scriptures you've been reading all of your believing life, go back and start reading them really, really slow. I'm talking about sometimes I will literally be like this. You cannot drink the Lord's cup and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the demonic table. It's saying you're not going to be able to successfully mix light and darkness without having some conflict or problem. Now, my particular gift, I have a gift from the Lord to teach the word. So I'm able to take a scripture, what he's saying, and say the exact same thing that he said in a way that a person who didn't get it on the page like this, because they haven't really locked into uh, how the Bible flows, how, how it reads, how the Holy Spirit walks us through it. I'm able to take that scripture and say, okay, this is, this is what it's saying to us. When it says you can't eat from the Lord's table and the table of demons, you can't drink from the Lord's cup and the cup of demons means we can't mix light and dark together. So living a life of compromise where you say you love God, you love Jesus, but you're willing to lay down and do X, Y, Z if the money is right. Number two, 
Ask who the scripture is talking to. In the Bible, there are scriptures where, where God is speaking and there are scriptures where God is listening. Now, when we say ask who the Bible is talking to, when the Lord is speaking, when the scripture is speaking to a person, it's five types of people. Number one is an unbeliever. This is a person who their spirit has not been recreated in Christ. No born again spirit, not regenerated in their spirit. Number two is a new believer. This is a person who just got born again. Their spirit just got changed and purified by the Lord. This is an actual spiritual process that takes place. I can explain it later if you don't understand. If you're super new or maybe you um, are in a, a religion or something where this is uncommon, feel free to reach out to me, Felicia at wordcast.today. Um, that's my email address, P-H-Y-L-I-C-I-A at wordcast.today ask any questions or you can dm me on social media um dm me on social media felicia goings uh, on instagram and on facebook and ask any questions that you have and i will do due diligence to prayerfully answer those questions for you according to the word of god so number one you've got the unbeliever number two you got the new believer the person who just started believing in in christ number three you got the carnal christian the person who is deeply driven by feelings and emotions, they are not certain and rooted fully in their identity in Christ and what the Lord says about them. A lot of the stuff that's true in the Bible still doesn't look true in their life just yet because they're in this state of battling their flesh and the spirit like walking after the ways of the word and then also walking after the ways of the world. And it's like, ah, ooh, I'm good over here, but ooh, can't stop having sex. Or, ooh, okay, I'm good over here where sex is concerned, but I don't know about tithing. Like it, carnal, carnality sometimes, it's the thing that makes your flesh uncomfortable. So you retreat from the truth and what God says to do because your flesh doesn't like it. As you mature, Man, sometimes you won't even, man, your desires will be made whole in such a way that you'll start liking, loving, and wanting what God likes and loves. I'm actually going to flip over to Philippians 4.13 really quickly and, and, and show you what I mean by this. It's it's not a chore. God is not like, oh, I'm going to send you to Africa in the middle of a, you're going to have to live in a hut and, and you're not going to have internet and you're not, you're going to have to go serve and it's going to be hard and you just got to deal. No, the dream that God has for you. Oh my goodness. When you start maturing spiritually, you are going to adore your path and your journey with the Lord. He gives us all things to enjoy. I think that's in first Timothy, but I want to read um, Philippians 4, 13, where it says, um, actually, no. What is that scripture? 2, 13. Philippians 2, 13 says, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God doesn't force you to do or behave or ah in this very aggressive way. No. He's constantly pursuing your heart, doing loving, positive, good things for you to cause your heart to change and be softened towards his ways to the point where you willingly, lovingly and desire to want to do the right thing. So you got the unbeliever. You got the new believer. You got the carnal Christian who's not spiritually mature yet. They're not walking fully in their identity in Christ in every area, maybe struggling with some stuff. And they are not. Hear me out. The areas that they're struggling in still, 
typically are areas that they're not renewing their mind. Their mind is not renewed yet by the word of God in that area. How do you know when your mind is renewed in an area? It shows up in your actions, shows up in what you do, not just what you say. The spiritually mature, that's the fourth type of person. This person is locked into their identity in Christ in such a way that they move with authority. But this is the distinct mark of a person who has matured or is maturing in God. Love. Love is a distinct evidential thing of a person who is maturing spiritually you are going to start walking in love with yourself with other people and with god as you mature and the more and more and more you mature you become more and more perfected in love and i have scriptures for all of these but for the sake of time i'll save them until the next episode and then that fifth person type which is my least favorite is the false believer this is the person, dang, they're not a child of God. They not. They might be in the church. They might even be in the pulpit. They may even have started the church. They are an agent of the devil. They are an agent of darkness sent to get you off track, sent to lead the sheep astray. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. They are the ones who like touching little kids, who like leading married women into adultery, leading married men into adultery, leading people into lifestyles that the Lord forbids in scripture because of the danger uh, that it is to the person. These people are wolves in sheep's clothing. That's the fifth person type. Scriptures that are written to those people are different than scriptures that are written to people who genuinely desire God. And maybe you make a mistake here or you do something. That's not the same thing. I'll give you one example before we close here. And then I want to get to uh, the decrees. Let me find the scripture. Matthew chapter seven, verse number 21. So when I was like nine years old, again, y'all, I started walking with the Lord when I was a kid. So I've seen the word tested over years and, and, and it works. Matthew seven twenty one, right? Verse number 20, it says, by their fruits, you shall know them. This is Jesus speaking. Verse number 21, he says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my father, which is in heaven. Now, what's the will of the father? He wants us to love people. He wants us to care for people. Um, his will is healing. Uh, his will is um, feeding the, the, the hungry, prophesying, all of these wonderful things that's God's will. But listen, listen, listen to this, y'all. Many will say this verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works? You know, the works of God. Verse number 23. And then I will profess to them, says Jesus. I never knew you depart from me. You that work iniquity. Y'all. These people just said, we prophesied, we was casting out devils, we was doing a lot of good stuff in your name. How you gonna, how you gonna flex? <laughs> how are you gonna flex on me, Jesus? Like you don't know me right now. Jesus was like, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. If you read this scripture and you are a person who prophesies, you are a person who helps people get set free from demonic oppression, you are a person who does wonderful works, you can read this scripture and think that God is saying you're a worker of iniquity if you don't understand who he's talking to. 
Scripture number 23, 22, 21, 20 in Matthew chapter 7 is written to that fifth person type, the false believer. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm so excited about the word because it's so effective and it's so easy to understand. God told me one day, he said, Felicia, I never intended for spiritual things to be so complex that my people could not understand it. I never intended for the word of God to be so complex that not even the most simple average person couldn't use it. I meant for it to be easy. If it's being complicated, it's being complicated by man. It's being complicated by the enemy. It's being complicated by something that's intentionally trying to keep people away and apart from the best relationship that they're supposed to have in their lifetime. That is their relationship with me. They're a God who loves them and wants to fellowship and have intimate relationship with them in their life. I am telling you, when you read the scripture and you understand these five people types, you understand how to pick up on whether the scripture is talking to the unbeliever, whether the scripture is talking to the new believer, whether the scripture is talking to the carnal Christian, whether the scripture is talking to the spiritually mature or the false believer. When you lock in on just that one point, your study time in the word, it's, go- it's a game changer. It is a game changer. All that condemnation that religious people be trying to put on folks because they read these scriptures out of context and don't understand who he's talking to. All right, I got another one for you. Come on, Holy Spirit, with these bars of scriptures. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, the same chapter. We're going to look at verse number 15. I'm telling y'all, these five types of people, if there's a sixth one, I don't know it. I'm not saying that, oh my goodness, it's only five. I'm telling you, these five will get you right. Listen to this. Listen to this. Matthew 7, verse number 15. Beware of false prophets. What I tell you the five, the fifth person type was? The false believer. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing. Where I tell you the false believers are. Sometimes they right there in the church. Sometimes they the one on set with you uh, wanting to pray the most and the loudest. Sometimes they're the one that's like, you know, can I lay hands on you? Sometimes it's the, well, you know, the Lord said, you have to understand God looks at the heart. He doesn't, doesn't just look at the behavior. Anybody can pretend to be a, quish, a Christian, a Christian. I don't know what a Christian is a question anybody can pretend (laughs) i'm sorry anybody can pretend to be a christian anybody can quote scriptures and the devil quoted scriptures in the bible anybody can ask you for prayer anybody can show up at church every sunday be in the choir be the choir director be the musician be the pastor or the pastor's wife and be a false believer you got to get this so you can stop saying you don't like church people now you don't like false church people those of us who the truth we're walking in love we're helping to change lives we got solid positive relationships we show up for people in, in, in strange ways that they can't understand. Like how you call me right at the time that I needed prayer. How you pick up the phone and text me right at the time when I needed somebody. That's the spirit of God moving. We're not trying to take from people. We're trying to give to people. We want to walk alongside you. We want to help you win in every single area God has called you to win. That's a believer. 
I'm with you. I'm for you. Now, I ain't going to compromise my faith. You start trying to have me compromise my faith. I may have to take two feet, two steps, two years away from you. But for the for the most part, you, you can recognize them by their fruit. Any person who's making you feel uncomfortable, condemned, isolated, like you're not good enough for God, that is not a true person out of from the heart of God. They're, they're false in their belief. So it says, so in, in verse number 15, Jesus says, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Y'all, if you have not listened to that series on the five types of people, listen to that series. When you understand those five types of people in the church, you can find those five types of people in business. You can find those five types of people in, in, in the studio on some sets in certain families in certain friendship circles you may be able to find those five types of people and when you understand them excuse me when you understand them you'll know how to operate and deal with them better you'll you'll know how to guard your heart you'll know how to help and communicate and serve those individuals better that false believer you don't need to have that false believer over at the house telling them all your secrets and intimacies about your marriage or your relationship or your kids no that is not the person you confide in So I just wanted to share that. I got hung up on that point a little bit. Um, the point I'm making in order to start studying the Bible and understanding it better. Number one, read the scripture slower than you think you need to out loud. Don't be tripping off of the, the quantity of time you're spending in the word. Really aim for quality. If you could just understand one verse, one scripture, one passage, one chapter, and just slowly read through that for whatever time you have in the day the quantity of time will start to increase automatically. Um, And even as you become more intentional about that, that'll help it increase more rapidly. Number two, understand who the scripture is talking to. Sometimes God is speaking. Sometimes God is listening in a passage of scripture and understanding those five person types. When a scripture is speaking to a particular person and a person is not talking to God in a scripture, understanding those five people type will help you not get confused because you got people in the Bible who were prophesying, who were doing all these wonderful works, but they were false believers. They were ravenous wolves. And then you look over in other chapters and you have people who were doing the same thing and they were pure and genuine in heart and God did send them. So understanding those five types of people will really, really help. And then the third thing that we went over with, how do I start studying the Bible and understanding it better? Approach it with a humble heart. The Bible was not written to your head alone. The Bible was written to your heart. It's a spiritual book. Let me read one more scripture. I keep saying one more scripture. Then we're going to do our decrees. Um, Hebrews 4 and 12. That's the address for the scripture. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. What book you know that's alive right now and full of of power and one thing that came to my spirit is somebody saying um the quran so god gave me permission to read the quran i read the quran listen with a humble heart i read the quran because i was trying to come to terms with the fact that i said god 
it's billions of Muslims in the world. It's just challenging for me to believe. These people are praying to what Muslims call Allah and believing that is you. And, and a lot of them are very sincere. And I'm wrestling with the fact that what I'm reading in the Bible ain't no heaven for people who don't put their faith and trust in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit led me and gave me permission to understand uh, that the, the, the Muslim faith and belief. And I said, well, what if, you know, what if they believe in right? And I just don't know because Christians try to, you know, maybe people have tried to vilify what they believe. Like it seems like the motive and intention is right. Like, uh, you know, praying and, and uh, the, the lifestyle and, and things, certain things that they promote where love and lifestyle and health and all of those things are concerned. And I just didn't understand. I was like, what is the difference between you and Allah? Like, are they just calling you by a name? That's just different. You got a bunch of names in the Hebrew Bible. What is it? So I read the Quran humbly, but this is why I read it. I read the Quran to see what the Quran said about Christ. And so much of that book has a lot of what is like wisdom of God that can totally have come from the Bible because the Quran came way after uh, the Bible. The Quran was written after the fact. And out of this whole book, so much good stuff wrapped around this, this one verse or two. All of this good stuff that, you know, if somebody applies it to their life, it is awesome. You're probably going to get some good results. But this one part was Jesus was acknowledged as a prophet. He was not acknowledged as God incarnate, God in the flesh, the son of God and the son of man, uh, born to the Virgin Mary. That is the Messiah and savior, the chosen sent one savior of the whole world. That ain't who he is in the Quran. He's a prophet. And so I saw the difference. Whoo! It's hard for people to grasp it, right? The more you spend time in the truth of this word, the more you start understanding when Muslims say they saw Jesus in their dreams or they had visions of Jesus. And when they had the vision of Jesus, it, it kind of jolted them because it was different than what they were taught to believe, right? What you believe about Christ will dictate your experience in this Bible. This Bible is centered around Jesus, the Messiah, not a prophet alone, not a healer alone, not even just the son, God in the flesh, God incarnate. And remember what I told you about WordCast. It's important. Don't just take somebody's word for it. Make sure the word that's being spoken to you, if it's true, you're going to find it in this Bible. So where does it say that Jesus was God uh, in the flesh? Let me give you the address for that scripture. See, I don't have a lot of addresses memorized, but the, the words themselves, they've become a part of me. And Holy Spirit will have me to recall them in moments like this, where sometimes we may be talking about something sensitive. And, and I'm not, um, I don't say this to offend anybody or to challenge what you believe or to even try to switch or, or convey. I just want to share the truth. Um, from God's word, because that's what I've been called to do in my life. And if that truth contradicts and is different than what you currently believe or what you've been taught, you can take what I'm saying, take the word that I'm sharing, these very scriptures, you can take them to God yourself and ask him to give you wisdom. If it's the truth, show you that it's the truth. If it's not, 
show you that it's not. First Timothy 3.16 says, uh, God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. God was manifest in the flesh. Why is it that there are people who are departing from this particular belief? We go to the very next verse, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse number one says, now the spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There are some churches and some religions that are widely known and respected that literally were founded on doctrines of devils. And one of the signs is when they have the Bible, but they have another book that they believe is the inspired word of God as well. And they use that book to teach people what the Bible means. That's a sign. The Bible defines itself. We'll get into that in another episode with how to let the Bible define itself. If you need an outside book to be the holy written word of God to tell you what the Bible actually means and you're not using the Bible to define itself, that is leading down to a path of error and destruction. The scripture says in the latter days, people are some people shall depart from the faith because they're heeding, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Verse number two, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Their conscience is like burned to the point where they can't even feel or know what's it's just seared like a you can't even feel fathom or feel what's right anymore. It's no, you, you're so lost in the lies that they actually feel like the truth where you will create a whole religion around it. Um, and I, I'll stop there. Let's get into our decrees. Thank you for, I, I'm appreciative to spend this time with you studying the word and I'm believing that every episode will help you grow and take steps forward and further down your path to spiritual maturity and that you win in every area of life. I want you to win in your relationships. I want you to win in um, marriage, in, in money, in your career, in your dreams, in your health. I want to see sick people get well. I don't want people suffering. Um, there's so many good things about my life because of the Bible, because of my relationship with God. And it's so humbling and it's like eating at a good restaurant. You want to tell all the people who enjoy good, good restaurants, or, you know, if you know, you have a friend who likes seafood or who likes steak and you eat somewhere and you're like, Oh, you got to try this place because I know you like seafood. It's like, man, I know you are hungry for a great life. I know you are hungry. For a good existence. Whew, you got to try this God. You got to try this word. This has never failed me. In all the years it has never failed me. My goodness. And it's still going. Whew, we got some stuff this year. Through this word. That is um, absolutely astounding and amazing. And I'm super thankful to have recorded this beforehand. So I appreciate y'all. Let's jump into our decrees. And I want you to repeat after me. Say this with your whole heart. Focus in. 
Let's speak life over ourselves. Um, the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So every time we do our decrees, you're speaking life over yourself and you're creating your tomorrow with your words of today. That's why I do decrees at the end of some of the episodes. So let's jump into these decrees. Repeat this after me. Father God, I am available to you. Teach me through your word. Father God, I am available to you. Grow me through your word. Father God, I am available to you. Help me love your word. Father God, I am available to you. Make me wealthier through your word. Father God, I am available to you. Teach me to know your word. All right, y'all. I love you. Uh, feel free to watch this back. Share it with somebody that you love. My name is Felicia Goins, and I'll see you here soon for the next episode. Bye.